Are you in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 4 yet? All right, you can see it on the back screen there. We've been in a series called The Call, and what inspired me to really teach on this, I believe God wants me to kind of put a firm foundation in all of us, is because one of the questions that I hear so much in my travels around the country and around the world is, what am I called to do? This is the heart cry of a generation. They want to know, what is it God has called me to do? And so uh, you can go online and hear the podcast. I'm not going to spend too much time in review. But that is what we're talking about here, is discovering the call of God on your individual life. And so Ephesians 4 says this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, and just as you were called in one hope, here it is, of your calling, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Then I want, you, I want to read to you here from Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Uh, We've just been laying a foundation with these verses here. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And what this is speaking about is as God is speaking to Jeremiah here, he notes that before we were formed in the womb, he knew us. Uh, God is the God of purpose. Amen. And then lastly, 2 Peter 2, 5 through 11, it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call, here it is again, an election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your presence and your spirit. Lord, it is the illuminated word of God that causes change in our lives. It's the word that comes alive through your rhema. And I just pray right now, Holy Ghost, that you would be in this place, that you would speak to every person, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that the so-called light bulb would go off in our lives and forever bring change as we endeavor to walk out the call of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, I don't feel like in a lot of our churches in America, enough is done to talk about the call of God that you have on your life. And the reason that is, is because the most, the, the, for most people, the goal of serving God is to be a better person. That's what most churchgoers are after. They, they, they go to church they read their Bibles, they, they pray in hopes that they become a better person. And let me tell you something, if that's your goal, that is a short goal. Let me tell you that right now. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, and through his sacrifice on the cross, he has made you righteous. And what that means is you don't have to do anything 
but receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he makes you right in the sight of God. Somebody say amen to that. It's not your works that make you better. It's not what you do that makes you good. It's faith in Jesus Christ that makes you a good person. Can I get an amen on that? Now, we're amening, but I hope you catch this. Because the problem that we have with most people is their goal is to just be a good person. And that should not be your goal. The goal of the gospel in an individual's life is not for you to be good, but it's for you to be fruitful. Mm, you got to catch this today. It's for you to be fruitful. In other words, Jesus also said that it's by their fruit that you will know what a person is. He didn't say it's by what they know. He didn't say it's by, you know, the things that they necessarily do. He said it's by their fruit that we would be able to tell if you're a disciple or not. Now, in, 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 the, in most of the church world, we judge people on what they're doing and what they know rather than their fruitfulness. But I have to tell you, after 25 years of serving God, I've met a lot of people that can quote a lot of scriptures, that logged a lot of hours in church, but have no fruit. Sure is quiet in this Baptist church today. Track with me now. They can quote scriptures. They read all the latest books. They have all their favorite superhero preachers that they watch on YouTube. And they can tell you all the great messages, but they have never led anybody to the Lord on a personal basis. You know what that's called? It's called works with no fruit. It's called works with no fruit. And when people have a goal, I just want to be a good person, that's a short-sighted goal. Because you and Jesus now don't have the same goals. Because Jesus' goal for your life is that you fulfill the purpose for which he ordained you before you were formed in the womb to come to the earth and fulfill. And you need to understand every single person sitting in this place right now under the sound of my voice has a purpose in God. And it's more than you just being a nice person. Are you tracking with me today? The reason I got to point this out is because if your goal is just to be a nice person, there are things a, a nice person can do but have no fruit. And you know what that, what, what, you know, there's not a person here that would do the same thing over and over and over again if it bore no results. If there were no results in the things you were doing, you'd stop doing it. Except when it comes to Christians. We go to church. We read our Bibles. We do things that are good, but never see transformation. Are you still with me today? Three of you are. All right, let me go back here and find where I lost you. See, see the, the problem, this is, what, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says when it talks about the fact that there's a people that have a form of godliness, but no power. The focus is wrong. And so what we're trying to do in this series is change your focus from just being a good person to being fruitful, obeying the call, fulfilling the call. Because there are some people that are doing things that aren't wrong, 
but they're not going to add to you being fruitful. And this is the big controversy in churches all over the place. Oh, should a Christian drink or not drink? Ooh. Should a Christian watch secular movies and listen to secular music or not listen to those things? Can a Christian have a tattoo? Can a Christian have piercings? See all those little arguments? They're whack. Because the bottom line is this, are you fruitful? And is what you're doing causing you to be more fruitful? If it's not causing you to be more fruitful, don't worry about all that other stuff. Get to the place of being fruitful. Can I get an amen? Because we got too many people championing things that don't matter. We got too many people trying to argue things that don't matter. Well, you know, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to drink. and Listen, be fruitful. If your goal is to be fruitful, I don't have to tell you stuff to stop doing. You'll just stop doing, stop doing it because you'll realize this ain't helping me be fruitful. Are you with me today? So we've been talking about the call. And the first thing we talked about, we said before, is the first call that many people forget. And that is what Jesus called the disciples to do first in Mark 3, 14 through 15. The Bible says there, then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. The first call on your life is to be with Jesus. You should wake up every day with a focal point of saying, God, help me fulfill the greatest call on my life today, which is to be with you. That's why we preach devotional life so strong. You need to have a devotional life. You need to fulfill the greatest call. You got 24 hours to fulfill that call in that day to spend some time with God. Now, I'm not going to tell you it has to be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, 30 minutes, uh, whatever. Listen, that's not the point. The point is this. You are called to be with Jesus. And it's amazing to me how many Christians go to church, but they never fulfill that call. Barna Research did a study that and they asked the av- how many Christians, the a- what is the average amount of time? Or was it was the question again? What is the average Christian, does the average Christian have a prayer life? And you know what they found? That only 25% of your average Christians that they polled admitted to having a prayer life. And I said this, it's probably less than that because most of us would lie in that poll. Come on, somebody. It's probably less than that. And see, that's a problem. The problem is this. Most people don't understand the call on your life. That when Jesus saved you, one of the purposes, he, why he called you, is, is, is that he's your daddy. And any parent that has kids here understands that if you lost your child, what would be the first thing you would want from that child when he would, returns to you is to be with you. Amen? So the first call on our life is always to be with God. And this is why I don't understand people that go to church, people that say they're Christians, and they never take time to build a prayer life. Everything hinges on that first call, and you can hear that on the podcast. We, we talked about that a few uh, weeks ago. The second great call on your life that we talked about is the call to love people. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 13 that says, although you can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have love, it's all for nothing. And we got so many people doing things without a heart of love. How many know what I'm talking about? 
That's why Jesus came and he said, when they asked him, uh, what's the greatest commandment? He said, oh, wait, let me give you a new commandment. And the whole crowd went, who does he think he is that he could add to the commandments? Well, he's the son of God. And you know what he said? He said, the greatest command is that you love God with all your spirit, soul, and body. And the second is just like it, which is connected to it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on in the book of John and he says, if you can fulfill the great law of love and you can love your neighbor as I have loved you, you will fulfill all the commands on accident. Romans goes on and says that that's the key to fulfilling all of the law. Romans 13, 8. He said, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commands, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So many people trying to keep rules, but you just need to love folk. But let's take it a step further because people got all kinds of love. People got fake love. We talked about that. Amen, Drake? <laughs> people got fake love. Or some people will tell you I love you and then smack you in the back of the head on the way out. And to them, that's love. But that's why Jesus sets the bar high. And he says, no, no, you don't get to love your neighbor the way you want to love. You are to love them the way I love you. Now, that's a high bar. Because the way Jesus loves us is he forgives us of all. The way Jesus loves us is he accepts us. The way Jesus loves us is he blesses us even when we don't deserve it. Now that's love. That's love. And that is what he has called us to do. So the first two things you got to know about your life is that, number one, you're called to be with him. Ask yourself, am I fulfilling that call? If the answer is no, it's a simple fix. Every day, crack open your word. Every day, get on your knees and pray. Put some praise and worship music on. Throw up your hands toward heaven and just begin to worship God. It's an easy fix. And do it every day. Pursue him every day. Quit making excuses. If you're too busy to pray, then you are too busy, period. And you need to make changes. The second law is this. Love your neighbor. Love people like God loves you. You know what this is going to help you be? A better person. You know, quit being so sour. Quit being so hurt all the time. Quit being so offended. You know what an offended person needs? They need more love. Because I have no right to hold something against somebody when I have sinned against God time and time again, and he forgives me. Guess what I got to do to you, even though I don't feel like it? I got to forgive. But did you know all over this great country there are people leaving churches because they're hurt and offended? And some of the stuff, they ain't even got no reason to be heard about. It's perceived injury. Well, did you see how they looked at me? I wasn't looking at you. I was looking behind you. There's a spider on the wall or something. But see, we, we, we are so offended and all this because we don't understand the love of Jesus. We don't understand that that's a call on your life. Now, here's the great thing. Most people want to find out, what am I called to do? Am I called to be in the business world? Am I called into the ministry? Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's go back to steps one and two. Because if we just give you the call and you ain't learned to be with him or to love people, 
you're going to mess it all up. And I know people have done, oh, I'm called to preach. And they have never dominated the love to be with him. And they've never dominated the love to love people or the call to love people. And when you don't have those two, you don't last very long. Because the call of God is going to hurt you. Especially when, you're, when you understand whatever you're called to do, you're called to serve others. And when you serve people, and when you get around people, how many know people are imperfect? How many know you're imperfect? I saw less hands in here. So I'm like, I, don't, I don't want to admit that. So things happen. And so the way God designs it is he's trying to get us to understand Love me, be with me, because when you get hurt, I'll heal you. When you lose perspective, I'll help you. And then the second thing is love people no matter what. No matter what. And that will bring us to the third call that is on our life. The third call that God gives us is the call to build his church. Every single believer, every single disciple, every single person that has called on the name of Jesus, that has received salvation, needs to understand this is your calling. This is what you're called to do. And you'll never be fulfilled unless you're fulfilling these calls on your life. You'll never be fulfilled. Because here's the thing. You're called to so much more than just your little life. So many people are just living to pay the bills. And we make that such a noble thing. I'm just out there, you know, trying to, are we trying to eat? We trying to eat. You know, we just, I got to take care of me's and mine's. Take an English class, brother. And we make that so noble, like, you know, it's just, you know, family all day, every day. Yes, that, that's obviously. See, that's how messed up our generation is. We make things that you should be doing a big celebration. Right? Pretty soon, we're going to start awarding people for stuff they should do. You got dressed today. All right. So great. You put your shoes on. Nobody claps for that. You want to know why? Because you're supposed to put your shoes on, unless you want caveman feet. Which some of you have. No, 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 no. You're supposed to do that. When my sons come out of the room and they're dressed, I don't do what I did when they were one. Oh, you look so good. You put your clothes. No, that's good. You should have it on. Let's go. You don't get a cookie for that. You just go. And we got a generation now where that's been the perp- that's their call. Well, I'm just called to take care of my family. No, you're not. That's not, no, that's not what you're called to do. So much more than that. There's, you are selling yourself short. If that's the extent of your call, I just want to take care of my family. Yeah, you can do that. There's more than that in you. And here's the thing. You will die unfulfilled. You'll die unfulfilled if that's the extent of your call. Now, let me say this so nobody leaves here thinking the wrong thing. Obviously, take care of your family. Now, I realize for some people that's a revelation. You can laugh if you want to, but there are some folks that don't take care of their kids. There's some folks that don't take care of your wives. If you married a wife, take care of her. Good preaching, Pastor Sergio. I'm going to get my own amens today. 
Those are, those are things we should do, obviously. But there's more. There's more. And what is the third thing we're talking about here is building the church. And you say, well, why is that our call? Now, that's your call, pastor, because you're in the ministry. Eh, wrong. Come up out of that bad teaching and come into some revelation. Every person that calls Jesus their Savior, calls Jesus the Lord of their life, walks with God, must take on what is important to him. And what is the most important thing on the heart of God? It's people and building his church. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is what we call the Great Commission. But most people treat it as the Great Suggestion. Like, if you want to, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. If you get around to it, then do it. No, that's not what it says. Let me read it to you. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus' parting words to the church, that you and I would go. Oh, well, pastor, you know, I'm called to own a business. It doesn't matter. You got a responsibility to take on what's important to Jesus. Are you tracking with me today? Now, I realize what I'm doing is I'm blowing up American Christianity. Because remember, most of American Christianity, the goal is for you to just be good. And if you're just good, you're happy. No, you're not happy. That's why people in church are tipping and tapping. Come on, somebody. That's why secret sin in the house of God is so prevalent. Because we got good people that ain't fulfilled. So when you ain't fulfilled, guess what you try to do? You try to go get fulfilled. And we got Christ, people that say they are Christians that still smoke weed. Oh, well, pastor, don't you know weed is legal? You ain't got glycoma. Quit lying. We're making up symptoms. See, we, we, you know, we, we got to get this thing right. Being good is not enough. Being good is the thing you should just be. Why? Because Jesus cleansed you of all your sins. He forgives you. He made you righteous. If your goal is to be good, guess what? Goal is fulfilled today. Come on, give yourselves a hand for being good today. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Come on, clap. You're good. Jesus made you good. Now, what you should be asking is what's next. And this is what we're talking about. The call. What call? The call to go all into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You want to know what you're called to do? That's what you're called to do. But I'm called to own a business. Well, then in some way, shape, or form, your business should be producing this. And many of your businesses are. If you're a member of this house and you tithe and you give, every time we go on a missions trip, it's not only the fruit of the people that go. Guess who gets fruit from that one day when you're in heaven? You do. Every person that sows an offering to build the house of God, every person that gives a tithe is sowing into this purpose. They're sowing into this. But so many people aren't. And, they're, and they say things like this, I go to church, it's just not working for me. Yeah, come on. Nothing's changing. 
And so this is why Christians who have God with them will go out and be sneaking around, tipping and tapping, doing this, doing that, acting good, but they really ain't good. All that kind of stuff is because they're not fulfilling the call. What is the call? To make disciples of all nations. That is called building his church. It's called building his church. And when you get to heaven someday, you will find out the fruit that you have. You shouldn't even wait till then. We should be able to look at your fruit right now and see that, oh, this person came to the Lord because of you. This person came because of you. If you're a part of this house, you can look around. This is your fruit. This ain't just my fruit. This is your fruit. But it's a call to fulfill uh, that God has given us to build his church. And this is, this is why you got to understand this. It's unacceptable. Catch this now. It's unacceptable for a Christian to bear no fruit. Yet, there are some of us that have never led a single person to the Lord. Things that make you go, hmm. Now, don't come under condemnation. There's no condemnation. Those are just reasons you got to change some stuff. That's all. you got to change some stuff. Because our lives should be producing and we, would sh- we should be building the house of God. It's a call on every single one of us. So whatever it is God's called you to do, before he tells you, he wants you to first care about what he cares about. If you call Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, yet you, do, you have not taken on his mission, he's really not Lord. Think of it this way. This is Jesus' focus. Let me, let me prove it to you again in... Uh, let me, let me prove it to you again here. Let me read, give you some more scriptures, lay a stronger foundation for you. Uh, Matthew 16, 18 through 19, it says this. And I also say to you that you are Peter. This is Jesus talking. And upon this rock, he says, I will build my church. That's Jesus' words. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what is Jesus saying here? He's telling us all, this is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. So guess what the responsibility is when people call Jesus Lord? You better be doing what he's doing. Because if you're doing something else other than what he's doing, you're in division. What is division? Two visions. There's only one throne on your heart. You're either on it or he's on it. If Jesus is on it, what's important to him becomes important to me. If you're on it, then what's important to you is what's important. And this is why people can't commit to the house of God. This is why people don't tithe. This is why people don't give. This is why people don't serve. Because if you look at what's on the throne of their heart, it's them and not him. Because if it's him, this is what he's doing. Are you tracking with me today? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap in here. That's what he's doing. All around the world he's doing it. He's building his church. So the moment you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. This becomes your mission. 
all over the world, no matter what you're doing. Now, does that mean we all stop working and all get jobs in the church? No, that's not what this means. It's not what this means at all. It just means whatever you're involved in, in some way, shape, or form, it affects the mission of Jesus Christ. Are you tracking with me? Everything I have points this way. So my money is building the church. My talents are building the church. My relationships are building the church. Everything I do is building the church in some way, shape, or form. If you're not building this church, go build another church. But we have so many Christians that say dumb things. And this is the number one dumb thing a Christian says. And if you're offended, just think about it. You need more love. Amen. Praise God. The number one dumb thing that could come out of a Christian's mouth is they could say, I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. Hmm. Let me marinate on that like some carnassada right there. You don't go to the thing he's building. And he's your Lord. This is where his focus is. This is what he's after. But you say you follow him. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Because see, what people do is we mask the fact. And we'll say Jesus is Lord. But unless you're doing what he's doing, I beg to differ. You're still Lord. And there are so many people that want to put God on their purpose, on their plans, on their goals. Is this helping anybody today? But what you'll still find out at the end of the day, you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be unfulfilled, and you're lying to yourself. I'm just reading scriptures to you. Let me give you a few more so you don't think I'm just teaching you my ideas because I'm a pastor, and I've given my life to the church, and you just want everybody to do what you're doing. No, 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 that ain't, that ain't how this works. Look at uh, Psalms 118, 19 through 26. This comes out of that great teaching that Pastor Charles shared when he was here about the gate to heaven. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness, and I'll go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord. I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of God. And when Pastor Charles was here, he taught us about church being a gateway to heaven. And if there was actually a gateway that we could physically see, what would you do to get whoever you knew to that gateway? Remember, he talked about that. If there was somehow a supernatural porthole that opened up somewhere in the Himalayas and it was on CNN and it was on Fox and it was reported, this is a gateway into God's presence, into eternal life. And people have been reported and they are going inside of it right now, Jack. And they are going up. And look, there's another one going into heaven. What would happen? People will be selling everything they had 
getting on airplanes, getting all their loved ones, calling their cousin Chewy in Tijuana and picking him up and getting him over there to that gateway. Come on, somebody, so that they can make it into heaven. We would all be doing You'd be a fool not to. Yet, church is a gateway to heaven. It's a gateway to heaven. Some of us get it. Some of us don't. Some of us get here at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, setting up church, putting up chairs, serving the kids. Why? Because they understand we got to set the gateway because there's going to come somebody into the house of God today that is going to find God. Are you tracking with me? When I give my tithe, when I give in the offering, I'm understanding I am giving towards the cause of promoting a gateway to heaven because it's a call on my life. And that's why there is a fulfillment in the people that truly serve God from their heart. They get it. This is what I'm called to do. This is a small part of what I'm called to do because this is what God's about. It's about the gateway. Psalm 92, 12 through 14. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And they shall, here it is, and they shall still still bear fruit in old age. And they shall be fresh and so clean, clean. (laughs) And then Psalms 92.15 says, ain't nobody dope as me. No, 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 it doesn't say that. Some of you are looking through the Bible. Is Is that in there? I didn't know he was quoting scripture. Go ahead, Andre 3000. But what's the thing here when people plan in the house of God? And this is why I blast that thing that says I'm a Christian, I don't go to church. That's like being a fish and not liking water. It's like being an eagle and you don't like to fly. See, fix what's inside internally and everything will be all right. Yeah, but I used to go to church, and this happened at church, and that happened at church, and so I don't like church no more. No, you just need to use better discernment in the churches you go to. Because we all know there are some churches that you just shouldn't go to. Can I get an amen on on that? And you know what is the church you should go to? Here it is. I'm going to help you all. The church you should go to is the church God has called you to. Will it be perfect? Absolutely not. If it was perfect, it's not when you get there. You just messed it all up. You want to know why? Because you're imperfect. I'm imperfect. So it's impossible to have a perfect church, right? So why do we expect, well, I just expect different out of church folk. Why? Who told I do you? Well, I just think, you know, they're supposed to have it all together. Do you have it all together? Oh, well, no, but I just got here. It don't matter. Nobody's perfect. And everybody gets out of sorts every now and again. Amen? We just have this crazy expectation for people in the church, and we need to lower that down to the expectation you should have for yourself. Why do we have higher expectations for others than we put on ourselves? And when we mess up, we give ourselves a pass. Oh, 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 well, I didn't mean it like that. But when somebody else does it, oh, they meant to kill you, didn't they? If we could have that same, they didn't mean it like that, that you give yourself when you do something wrong, this would be a better world. Amen? But here's the problem. Don't let anything take you away from the call to build the church. 
If you have problems with the church you're in, pray and ask the Lord to show you the church you're supposed to be in. And if you're not supposed to be in this church, go find the church you're supposed to be in. But you need to be in a church because it is part of the call of God that is on your life. Think about it. If you're walking with Jesus, you should be doing what he's doing. If you're not doing what he's doing, which is building the church, you're not walking with him. And wherever you're going is is wherever you're going. Let me give you a few more scriptures, and then I want to do something today uh, that is going to be a first for our house here. Um, It says this. Go over to uh, Genesis 28, 16 through 19. It says, Then Jacob, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and sad. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put on his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loose previously. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. You see, even Jacob, before the Ten Commandments, before the law, had enough understanding that I want to put my finances in the house of God. It's a calling. It's not a law. It's a call. It's a calling. And so we see here that each and every one of us have three calls. Number one, to be with him. Fight every day to spend time with him. Number two, the second call is learn to love people as God has loved you unconditionally. Forgive. Let go of bitterness. Let go of your list of reasons why you don't like so-and-so. Forgive. God forgave you, and he forgives you every day when you still blow it. You have to give that same love to other people. And the third call you have on your life is to learn to understand that you are called to build his church. That's what you're called to do. So again, that doesn't mean we all need to quit our jobs and join the ministry. No, work your job. But everything about you in some way, shape, or form should be building the house of God. So you should be using your money, your talent, your ability, your family, your relationships to build the house of God. Everything you connect to the house of God is connected to the purpose of God. And if you've been hurt, if you've had bad experiences in church, listen, I'm sorry. You need to find, go back to steps one and two and get with Jesus. Let him heal you up. Because I'll tell you what, I'm preaching this and I have been hurt by the church more than probably all of y'all. I've got, my wife and I have laid down our lives for people who have literally spit on us, turned their backs on us, set, called us outside of our names. All the whole while we were doing things to help them. But you know what I found a long time ago? It don't matter what people do. I got a call on my life. And so do you. Don't let anybody steal that call. Yeah, but this person did this to me. And that last church said this about me. Go to Jesus get healed up, and get back in the game. Because the call is not leaving you because somebody else did something to you. And the sooner you begin to walk in that calling, the sooner you are going to find fulfillment, lasting joy in your life. Are you with me? 
Now, next week, we're going to go into another area here called now your personal call. What is it helping you to help you find what it is God has called you to do as individuals? And this is going to be worth the price of admission because there is no price to admission. Amen. So it's going to be worth it. But it's going to really help you because we have universities full filled with young people paying $40,000 to get a degree in something they're only going to find out. I'm not called to do that. Sad, sad thing to go get a degree and think you're supposed to do something, but then find out I'm really supposed to be over here. It's a sad thing. God wants you to know. But the personal call on your life, we're going to talk more about that. Miles Monroe said it like this. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. It's the greatest tragedy. It doesn't matter if you've been to jail. It doesn't matter if you've graduated with a, with a master's, a BA, whatever it is. God has a plan for your life. And next week, we're going to get more into that. So you need to call whoever it is you need to call. You need to get them to the house of God so that we can begin to unpack what it means to be called. Amen. Amen.